the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Food Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brad Griffin, and our guest today is Brandon from Inside the Box, literally. He's a software engineer for a major tech company, you'd rather not say which one, in the Bay Area who's lived in a box truck for about a year and a half. As you'll soon learn, it's not as crazy as it sounds. He's saved over $33,000. I discovered Brandon's story while reading a Gizmodo article about the Silicon Valley economy and housing prices. I quickly devoured his blog from InsideTheBox.com, and I thought he'd be a great guest for the show, so I reached out to him, and he graciously agreed to appear. It's an interesting story full of non-conventional choices wrapped in an awesome message. Brandon's blog can be found at fromincidethebox.com. Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course, Brad. So I know you're all wondering out there, yes, we are video chatting, and no, he is not inside the box right now. Um, so that's question number one, if the listeners have that, he's not currently inside the box. So, Brandon, uh, tell us a little bit about software engineering. What kind of projects do you work on? Okay. Um, so, I work mainly on back-end engineering systems, so less so on the things you see in the web browser and more on the kind of systems that make them tick on the back-end. I work on enterprise software mostly, so targeted towards companies and small businesses, large businesses, everything in between. And uh, not the most glamorous of things to be working on in Silicon Valley, <laughs> but um, I certainly enjoy it. It's all the little stuff behind the scenes that made things work that no one understands. So Exactly. Someone's got to do that. Exactly. And how did you originally get into that? Um, so when I was really young, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I think around the age of 13, I realized that I hated paperwork. <laughs> and so that wasn't really going to fly. Um, but I did realize that I like computers and I you know, spent a little bit of time tinkering with them, working with them, taking them apart. And that just kind of, you know, naturally grew into um, a hobby. And I'm fortunate that the things that I enjoy doing and the things that I'm good at and the things that make a decent career are all the same thing. Yeah. Um, just kind of grew from there. Was there a moment or specific instance that you realized, you know, making things and making things work uh, was something that you really wanted to do? So aside from realizing that I hated paperwork, it was probably... Um, when I was in my freshman year of high school, I worked at this parking lot um, during the summer. So I grew up in this small little beach town and I just kind of sat in the parking lot all day and as people would come in, I would take their money and um, the lot would fill up over the course of the day. So after about a year or two or a summer or two of doing this, uh, I realized that I could start taking you know, reservations for the parking lot. If the lot's gonna fill up anyways, why not let people save a spot in advance? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got the okay from my boss. And so I learned PHP and threw together some crappy web application that was connected to <laughs> PayPal. I charged a dollar per spot. And that was my first time making a web application. I ended up making something like $1,000 that summer. Oh, wow. Which was not too shabby. I was like 16 at the time. I, it's 
probably the most I've made on a website ever, actually. <laughs> okay. So from there, how did you kind of parlay that towards computer science, computer engineering, and eventually a lucrative career? So I guess the parking lot application was uh, a good foray into it. And so I decided I wanted to pursue it a little bit further. Um, I ended up going to UMass Amherst and I majored in uh, computer systems engineering and computer science right out of the gate. Did that for four years, um, interspersed with a couple of internships, drove some buses, wrote some bus applications for their website. And um, now I am here. There you go. A little foreshadowing with buses and uh parking and this is all this is all going somewhere (laughs) the the buses were really key in all of this i wouldn't be so comfortable driving such a large awkward vehicle if it weren't for all the buses i drove yeah on the on the blog you describe it as a death trap or a suicide i think you've called it a screaming little death trap (laughs) so what's a basic daylight for you so basic daylight for me um i normally roll out of bed somewhere between 5 a.m and 6 a.m i have this nice little alarm clock that will wake me up when it senses i'm you know, rolling around and kind of in light sleep. So anywhere between 5 and 6 a.m., I normally wake up. I've packed my gym bag the night before, so I just grab the gym bag. I close my sunroof um, if I left it open during the night, and I roll up the back gate, hop out of the truck, and drive over to the gym. Do a normal workout, depending on what day of the week it is. I have a different workout. Um, then finish that up around 7, 7.30, shower, and head into the office for breakfast. And then from there, it's a bit of work, a bit of lunch, a bit of work, dinner and then whatever it is I darn well pleased for that day. So normally that'll be either working on the blog or going for a jog or bike ride or something. Finding a little cafe downtown and just relaxing there for an hour or two and reading a book. Yeah, you mentioned something um, a while back. One of the posts was about I don't live inside the box. I live doing whatever I'm doing at the time and I just happen to sleep in the box. Yeah, that's the thing is that I people often say, oh, you know, you're it feels like you're wasting a lot of your time. You're just wasting your best years living in this box truck. People kind of misunderstand what I'm really doing here. And the fact of the matter is I'm really only ever there when I'm sleeping. Um, I realized when I moved out here that I just needed a bed. And the box truck really is just that for me. It's a bed with four walls and a ceiling Mm -hmm. uh, to protect me from the elements, more or less. So I like to think that I live in an interesting area and there's a lot going on here. And I would much rather spend my time out in that interesting world doing interesting things than cooped up in my, you know, apartment or truck. So that's, I think the truck is a good way to kind of force me out into the real world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people come home from work, eat, and then plop down on the couch for two or three hours and zone out to TV and then go to bed. I mean, you're sort of forcing yourself to get out and do things, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, and it it certainly works for me. And it's true. I, I don't get the the kind of, you know, uh, plop on the couch, watch Netflix and let your brain lick out your ear nearly as often. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's something I decided that wasn't really pertinent to my life. Right. So give us a quick rundown on the box. I don't want to rehash too much of what's on the blog. Uh, again, everyone out there from inside the box.com, a lot of details about the truck, his life, his decisions, but, um, I don't want to I don't want to relitigate the decisions too much, uh, but just give the listeners a brief rundown on the truck, how you came to acquire it, you know, kind of what you got in there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I bought it about a year and a half ago. Like I said, it is a screaming metal death trap. Um, <laughs> I paid about 10 grand for it flat out. Uh, my company provided the relocation bonus when I moved out here and just bought it in cash with that. And um, it's got some leaks. It's got some gra- a little bit of graffiti on it. You know, looks just as sketchy as you can imagine. 
And the only real major modification I've made to it is um, I had a sunroof put in in the back. So get a little bit of natural light inside the dark, dank box. And air. And air, exactly. Air is also useful. Yeah, I drive it very little. I've probably put less than 1,000 miles on it in the past year and a half, two years. And it's just got a bed and a dresser and a coat rack. And that's, that's about it. That's about all I need. That's all you need. How many nights did it take before you felt like you were sleeping soundly, that you weren't going to get raped or murdered or raped and murdered? I mean, how long did it take to feel safe and comfortable? Yeah, so this is something that surprised me. Um, so the first night was obviously horrifying, and I had a bunch <laughs> of nightmares about people, you know, raping, murdering, raping and murdering me, all, all the above. And then the second night, it was fine. Wow. It was, it just was like that. The first night, yeah, just like that. I mean, sure, I got I got more confident as the as the nights went on, and by like a month or two into it, I'm just you know throwing open the back door of the box truck, doing a front flip inside, you know, having a grand old time with it. Um, but yeah, I, I really think it was just the first night was the, the shock, the acclimation um, night, and then after that, I was good to go. Does your employer have security guards on the premises? I mean, do they know where you are, what you're doing? Are they sort of keeping an eye on you? So that's a funny story. Um, the first, the first five or six months I was doing this. Yeah, I was, I was parked on campus and I didn't have a run in with security one night where they had seen me. It was like a Saturday night. I had just come back from a movie with some friends. They said, um, they had seen me going into the truck and they wanted to, you know, make sure everything was okay. So, um, I got a knock on the door around one in the morning, you know, Hey, is anyone in there? And, um, I opened the door, you know, told them who I was, showed them my employee badge. Mm -hmm. And they said, cool, you have a sweet setup in here, have a nice night. And that was the end of that. Um, I mean, we can talk a little bit about the, after all the publicity, but mm -hmm. I, I kind of ruined that one for myself. And um, so I, I, the short of it is I don't park on campus anymore. Okay. But so uh, no more run-ins with security, but I uh, have yet to have a run-in with police either, which would certainly be noteworthy. So how are you latching this thing closed at night? I mean, I know how they have the latch at the bottom and it flips over and keeps it closed. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you do that, you're essentially locked in, right? I mean, how do you... Exactly. Um, so that's a great question. And for the first year, I actually didn't even lock it at all. So it was just open, wide open. Anyone could come in, do what they want. Um, and in fact, on my birthday, the first year I did this, um, my friends at midnight on my birthday broke in, broke in, in quotes, <laughs> just by opening the back door with beer and cake and stuff. Okay. Um, but so after that, after about a year, um, my friends were like, you know, you, you really should lock it or find some way to lock it. So what I started doing was I started latching um, the padlock. I used to close it around the outside latch, but in an open position. So above where the latch actually hooks in. So that way no one can lock me in to mm -hmm. the truck. And then to actually lock it from the inside, I use a pair of vice grips that I put over the tracks that the roll-up door rolls up on. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was actually suggested to me by someone who was reading the blog, which was a great suggestion. That is great. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. So on the blog, you talked about how this isn't necessarily about saving money, although you've saved $33,000 in rent and you've got mm -hmm. a nice little tracker there on the website. Yeah. It's uh, fairly real-time. Um just give us kind of the the initial thought process and getting up the gumption to actually do this and tell people about it and go through with it. Yeah. So um, 
I first interned in the area in 2014 and I lived in a normal apartment. Um, I paid an exorbitant amount of money like everyone else does and everything was fine. But yeah, I came to this realization that I was talking about earlier where I, I realized I didn't need anything but a bed. And so I, I started thinking about it and thinking about where my priorities were and thinking that, it, you know, when I'm trying to save for my future, it doesn't really make sense for me to be burning, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month on rent. Right. So um, in between the year that I interned out here and, you know, finished graduating college, I had a lot of time to kind of mull over what my what my plan was for trying out this alternate living situation. And then when I moved out here full time, I had had all my plans down, figured out what kind of car I wanted to get, when I would actually purchase it, and the rest is history. And what was behind the decision to start blogging about it? So initially it was more, so I knew I was doing something interesting, or not interesting, but I knew I was doing something that was out of the ordinary. And I wanted to make sure I had some records for it because I have a Swiss cheese brain and I knew I would forget <laughs> about some of the details. And I, and I wanted to be able to look back on them and, and think about some of the crazy shenanigans that I went through. And also, um, the only people really reading it at the time were me. So I guess it was more like a diary. But um, my parents also checked in on occasion just to make sure that I hadn't died in some horrifying truck-related accident. <laughs> so that was really the purpose of starting to blog about it. Um, and then it got picked up by a media outlet. I think it was Business Insider. And things kind of took off from there. Okay. Yeah, and you mentioned that you've got 6 million hits on the blog. Um but no ads, which isn't really typical for Silicon Valley and someone in your industry. Yeah, so I'm not very savvy when it comes to things like business and making real money and stuff. So I, I do actually work with a lot of people who know things about advertising. And they said I could have made, you know, five uh, digits worth of money mm -hmm. with even just that initial spike of traffic. But that's not really why I keep the blog. Like I said, it's it's more of just a record for myself and to share with other people things that I've learned through the process for anyone who's interested in trying something similar. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the initial spike of traffic was this article went viral because um, my life translates really nicely into like a Buzzfeed style headline, Right. you know, like high paid engineer lives in truck is apparently insane. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of people, found that interesting and that ended up spreading like wildfire and uh, I got a sudden influx of traffic to my otherwise very quiet blog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you, when you meet new people, this is the greatest party icebreaker ever. You know, this is my friend, Brandon, who he lives inside a moving truck. <laughs> um, I'm sure you've got to be fairly careful with who you trust this information with, um, you know, seeing your face in person and where you live and, and mm -hmm. you do this thing. I mean, I'm sure that there's a little bit of a, a little bit of secrecy that goes involved with this. Well, so that's the fun part is that now I can live anywhere, right? If someone happens to find my parking spot, I just find a new one. Um, <laughs> a little bit of the nice versatility of it. But I guess, yeah, when I started out doing this, I was, I was very, I kept the information more close to the chest. You know, people ask, where do you live? Oh, you know, just a small apartment somewhere in the Bay, in the South Bay. Um, or just a small place, rather. I try to keep it. So it was like, it was like a half truth. It wasn't exactly... Yeah. Not a full um, lie. But yeah, now now my friends normally whip out the party trick of saying, Oh, you know, this is this is that guy. Like that's <laughs> that's how they refer to me. The box truck guy. Yeah, the box truck guy. So that's always a lot of fun. 
Um, I normally don't bring it up unless um, someone explicitly asks, like they they recognize me from something or or some or other. But um, that thankfully that happens pretty infrequently. <laughs> when it does come out, what's the most common reaction? Um, so the thing people say it's always it's 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 never changed. It's always oh you're that guy. So it's just like I'm <laughs> I'm forever perpetually now that guy. Um, but then it normally leads to some interesting discussions about, you know, where people's priorities lie. Mm-hmm. Um, does it make sense to actually pay rent? What are your goals in life? Are you properly arranging your priorities for them? Things like that. Yeah. Any preconceived misconceptions about this that people generally have when you start talking to them that you change their mind about? Um, so people generally don't expect me to look normal. Um, they're normally expecting, you know, crazy long beard and facial hair, Cheeto dust uh, in the beard and, you know, dust, conspiracy yeah. theory articles all over the inside of the truck. Exactly. They're, they're looking for like a more wild look in my eyes, you know, a little feral or something. The software um, engineer Unabomber. Yeah, exactly. So like they're, they're normally disappointed of how normal I look. <laughs> Um, but I guess I pride hygiene even higher than I would normally just because, you know, you have to offset the fact that you live in a box truck. Yeah, you don't want it to be, you know, evidently clear by the way you look. So yeah, I'm not trying to play the part of dude who lives in a car. <laughs> so you mentioned that a lot of people say this is the time of your life that you should be making all these memories, and this is, you know, your golden age or whatever. And you said that, yeah, this is the time of my life, and I'm, I am making these memories, and I am, re- you know, going to remember all this. And you had a quote on the website that kind of stuck with me ever since I read it a month ago or so. Research shows that time seems to go faster as we age because our brains don't even bother forming long-term memories for our cookie-cutter daily routines. And as a father of two daughters, I can definitely say that that is true. You know, come home, make dinner, clean up, play with the girls, put them to bed, watch TV for a little bit, go to bed, wake up, get ready, take them to school, go to work, come home. I mean, it's definitely definitely like that. So I think that, like we talked about before, you're doing – the things that you want to do every day instead of just coming home and zoning out. You mentioned your priorities and discussions that you have with people leading to your priorities. What would you put rank those priorities um, and kind of has that changed since you've started on this experiment? Um, great question. So I guess my priorities, so obviously having a house that has a concrete foundation and a, a legal street address is pretty low on them. Um, I guess if I had to rank my priorities, it would be becoming financially independent would be the top one, but really only as a mechanism for reaching my other priorities. So, but that's the top uh, priority is, is being financially free so that if I want to work more or less, I can do that and, and not have any sort of um, restrictions holding me back or mm-hmm. specifically like monetary restrictions. Um, aside from that, I, I really love creating things. So Software engineering is a is a great outlet for putting things in out into the world so that everyone can see them. Um, so I'm always building random side projects, and that's something I legitimately enjoy doing. Um, so if I had my way, I would spend all my free time just cranking out all of the random, most of the time really dumb ideas that I had, and just build those to my heart's content. I I've dabbled a little bit in projects that work with like humanitarian involvement. So I, I recently worked with a um, scholarship organization out of Syria that gives scholarships to refugees. Oh, wow. 
and I help them build an app for that. And I'd like to in, get myself involved with more work like that. But obviously, the amount of time I can dedicate to it is limited because of, you know, having a job and needing to right. work it to survive kind of thing. Right. So my my priorities are just building things and trying to be useful um, or trying to use the the skills I've honed over the years in like a useful, meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your priorities and giving back and everything, you had another quote that stood out on the website. Over 600,000 people in the United States are homeless and we're the most affluent nation on the planet. By that metric, there's nothing particularly interesting about my flavor of homelessness. It's that I'm choosing to do so or that I'm doing it while working at a high-profile tech company and somehow that makes it more interesting or fun even. Yeah, so this was one of the things that really bothered me about all the publicity is that homelessness is a real problem and the it's not something people want to talk about. So it's easy to talk about my case because it's voluntary and I'm not sacrificing anything and I'm willingly doing this and I'm ha- I'm even having a bit of fun with it. Mm-hmm. But it. It's a decidedly less cheery picture for people who are put into this situation by um, against their own will who aren't who wouldn't choose this if they had the option. So, you know, it wouldn't be an interesting story if I was some dude struggling to get by living in the back of a van. That's not a story. That's sad. That's, that's someone's reality. Right. So it, it seems it, it's kind of obnoxious that I would be a story just because I'm, I'm choosing to do so and I have the money to do it. Right. Right. And I have the money to not do it, I guess. So yeah, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because Homelessness is a real issue, and I I was fortunate enough that I was that I'm not actually affected by it. Um, so to have the privilege to do this for fun, it almost kind of laughs in the face of people who are actually homeless to kind of parade this around as a story. Right. That might tie into the not doing it for ads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I discussed this with my buddy Sean Salemi from Burners Without Borders a couple episodes back. He lives in San Francisco and. We talked a little bit about this, you know, the Bay's economy and, you know, they've built this place that everyone needs to be or wants to be to be in the field that you're in. And so it's just a function of supply and demand. And Mm -hmm. how do we, you know, the things that make a city survive, you know, how do we not price out the nurses and teachers and police officers and fire people? You know, how do we not price out the people that make the city work so that it can be the thing that everyone else wants it to be. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, um, it's, it's interesting and it's a, it's a weird dynamic in the Bay right now. Absolutely. Have you gotten into any discussions about that with folks as you've kind of been on this journey or being closer to it and being in the circles that you're in? I mean, are there overarching thoughts about how to solve some of these problems that the Bay has? So it definitely comes up a lot, um, especially in conversations that I have, because obviously, it, I, I guess you could say that my case highlights just how bad you could use me living in a truck as an example of how ridiculous ha- housing costs in the area have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, I've said that it's not exclusively about the money for me, but, right. but the housing prices are prohibitively expensive for people that aren't working in these high-paying tech jobs. So, and I, I see it all the time. People, like you said, teachers and other people who you know, are absolutely fundamental to the area, have to commute in from an hour or two away because that's the only place that they can afford to live. 
it's not sustainable for them. Um, right. But like you said, there is the demand for these tech workers, and you know, if they can afford to pay it, the price of rent will just keep going up. Right. No, it's definitely something that I that I've been keeping an eye on for a long time, and I I don't know what the solution is. I I don't know that anyone does, but it'll be interesting to see how we either choose to work on solving this or choose to just let it continue, you know, and kind of how that plays out. It's definitely a complicated problem, but there are a lot of things that are exacerbating it. Um, a lot of city laws that kind of favor nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. Right, kind right. Of, kind of ideas. So the the amount of new housing developments does not even remotely match the amount of the influx of people coming to get jobs here. So there's le- way less supply than there is demand, and that kind of fuels the fire of, of this problem. And as a person that's owned a home for 40 years in Palo Alto or whatever, I mean, yeah, it's my right to rent it out for as much as I can, or, you know, that's anyone would, you know, and if everyone Absolutely. if everyone is anyone, then that's what you end up with, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated dynamic to try to, to try to work through. Right. And no one's particularly right or wrong. But there are certainly winners and losers. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of how life goes. So going forward, what do you see as being, you know, the plan? You know, how much longer do you see yourself doing this? Um, is there is there an end date? You know, is this going to sunset at some point, or is it is it kind of a moving target? Or what do you think the future looks like for you? So that's a question I get a lot. Um, a lot of people want to know, you know, how long have you been doing this, and how long do you think you will be doing this? And I don't think I've found a good milestone yet where I would just want to say it's time to call it quits. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, my answer is, you know, uh, when the truck stops making so much sense. So right now, the truck just works out really well for me. Um, it gives me a very regimented routine. It forces me to be active. It gets me out into the world. And it makes me more prepared for my retirement so, and my future plans. So the truck does a lot of nice things for me. Plus, I hate sitting in traffic, and I don't have to sit in traffic. (laughs) Right. So when the truck stops providing all of the things that make my life extremely convenient, then I'll I'll consider trying something new or or switching it up or moving on to the next stage of my life. But, yeah, contrary to what people would think, the truck is actually unbelievably convenient for the lifestyle that I'm looking to live. Mm -hmm. And... um, I think the benefits of it far, far away the the drawbacks um, that have almost kind of melted away as time's gone on, as I get more accustomed to it. So I don't know when. I mean, on the longest time horizon, I'll probably retire or at least reach financial independence in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not inconceivable that I'll be in the truck for the entire time. Oh, wow. Uh, barring any major life changes. Like getting in a relationship. Um, so I, I am in a relationship and have been for um, about a year now. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, uh, another shocker from (laughs) behind the facade of a very reasonable person. But it it just goes to show you that, yeah, even something like a a serious relationship is possible from inside the box. Oh yeah. It's all about finding someone that uh, aligns with your life goals and believes what you're trying to accomplish. So I I have more power to you. (laughs) Thank you. That's what relationships are all about. So if you hadn't, if that app at the parking lot wouldn't have worked, you know, if you realized it wasn't as interesting as you thought it would be, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing software engineering? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, 
I don't know. I guess the vast majority of my interests fall right on software engineering related things. Um, well, I know being a lawyer was right out. Mm -hmm. So it would probably be something uh, environmental science related. Okay. I've always been really fascinated by the natural world and how it works on both the, the micro and the macro cosmic scales. So I'd love to do something actually meaningful and useful with that. Maybe some, some sort of laboratory work. That said, I don't probably really have the like attention span for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Computers are much more the pace that I like to work on. All right. So one of the things you put in the production notes about that you wanted to talk about was minimalism and kind of paring down your life. And uh, my wife and I spent the last weekend pretty much just getting stuff together to go to Goodwill and throwing stuff away and trying to organize the stuff that we kept. And it's a it's a never ending battle with your stuff. And I was laying in bed last night thinking about this interview and, you know, kind of mentally preparing and thinking about you with all your stuff in a moving truck. And when we moved from our old house to this house, we took two of those pod things, filled them up, you know, and just mm -hmm. thinking about how much junk I have that I don't use, you know, and how much junk I could get rid of. You know, I've got one chocolate fountain that we've used three times, you know, for parties or whatever, you know, and just the, your life is just filled with accumulating stuff like that. I need this right now. Let's go buy it. You know, and then it goes in a closet somewhere. So I'm interested in getting your take from the other side of that, you know, of only having what is absolutely necessary. And then what do you do when you need a chocolate fountain for a party? You know, what do you, how do you survive those kinds of uh, crises? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the main thing is that what I've learned is that the less things I have in my life, in general, the happier I am, the less things I have to think about and enumerate through and the less things that there are that can break and the less things that I have to trip over on my way in or out of the truck, the, the generally better off that I am. So the, the box truck was formerly a moving truck. It was actually like a budget truck. And so from time to time, I actually do help my friends move. I think in the past year and a half, I've helped probably eight or nine people move. It always does strike me just how much crap people have and that I'm loading into my truck along with everything I own. <laughs> and then, um, you know, people, I always make the joke that they're moving in with me. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I think that sometimes we just kind of let stuff accumulate in our lives. It's not even an active process most of the time. It's just, you know, a thing here, a thing there. It would be really great if we had a chocolate fountain for this event coming up, <laughs> um, things like that. And before we know it, we've just accumulated this huge mass of stuff that is really anchoring us down to where we are and kind of limiting our mobility, whether we think about it or not. Oh, absolutely. So I guess to answer the question of what do I do when I need a, a chocolate fountain is, well, well, that specific case hasn't come up, I guess. I, I don't, <laughs> um, I, I've hosted one truck party, actually probably two or three truck parties at this point. We had, um, truck or treat for Halloween. We had a truck warming party when I first moved in. We've had a couple other small events. So I guess people normally just bring the things that they want at the party <laughs> when they go to the, the truck party. Um, but for, so for example, when I went to Iceland recently, right, just on a personal vacation, I didn't own boots or a jacket or anything that you would need to survive a winter anywhere that isn't California. And so I guess my options at that point were buy stuff and then have to let it rumble around in the truck for the rest of my life or 
um, you know, rent something and then give it away after or buy it and then donate it or, or something like that. Um, and what I did was I ended up actually just buying the things, but my, my strategy now has been, if you're going to buy something, a, make sure it's something that you really need mm -hmm. and B buy something that's high quality so that you don't ever have to replace it. Right. It was a piece of information or a, a bit of wisdom that I read in uh, Walden or Thoreau's Walden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says you can buy a cheap pair of boots every year, or you can spend twice as much and buy one pair of boots, you know, that will last you 10. Mm -hmm. So a very simple idea, but, but very useful. And so every so often I'll kind of just go through the truck and look at things and, and say, you know, has, does this add any value to my life? Does this make me any better or happier as a person? Is this something that makes sense to keep in my life now? And if it doesn't, I'll sell it or I'll throw it away or I'll donate it. Right. Um, it, there's no sense in, in keeping that cruft because like I said, it's just more things you have to move when you want to change something about your life. Mm -hmm. So that first night in the truck, were you re <laughs> were you rethinking it at all? Um, I was definitely rethinking it leading up to buying the truck. So even up to like the day before I went to the dealership and bought it, I was thinking, I was looking at apartments. I was looking at places I could, I could go in, in case things went south. But then I said, you know, screw it. We're just going to try it. We, we have to give it a shot. We have to see how it works. Mm -hmm. And yeah, not even the first night, but there have been random points throughout where, where I've been like, this is crazy. I should just get an apartment. <laughs> that was my next question. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many, um, how many times do you think you've almost called it quits? Um, so one time I found a huge spider and that was almost quits. Um, like, but then I was like, normal apartments have spiders too. The only difference is that my place is so small that it feels like it's much closer than it normally would be. Right. Um, so the spider was one time. I think the first time it really rained, I I I was kind of concerned about that because a I found out the truck leaks a lot. Okay. Which I've slowly been rectifying, and uh, I actually just got a quote on some body work, so hopefully I will totally rectify that in the next week or two. But um, but yeah, just the. Even a light drizzle sounds like a complete maelstrom, just a cacophony of nonsense inside the truck, just <laughs> in the middle. Room. So um, that's always that's always interesting. I mean, I solve it now with earplugs, but but the first time it happened, I was like, I'm never going to sleep again with all this rain and all this noise. Um, is, is the truck worth it at this point? Right. But it, it's more like I really like the kind of ridiculous challenges that the truck poses for me and says, okay, figure it out. And um, that's that's part of the fun. Like that's, I like the, the the little extra challenge there. I save so much time in other areas of my life by not having to deal with traffic and by you know just all the simplicity that the truck provides. That I don't mind spending a little extra time trying to fight against the truck's random challenges. I'd say that's in your personality's wheelhouse too. I mean, being a software engineer, solving problems, dialing it in, fine tuning, figuring out the best way to do things. I mean, you think that kind of goes together? Absolutely. Have there been any nights in those dark moments where you've been like, I'm going to a hotel, that's it? Have you done any uh, truck vacations to little getaways from your box? Um, that's never happened. I mean, I've gone on vacations and I've gone on business trips. And um, sometimes my girlfriend and I will go into San Francisco for the weekend and get away. Or we'll go down to Santa Cruz and stay there for a weekend. But no, I've never, I've never said, you know, the truck is too much for me. I need to get away from it right now. Hmm. Um, 
Because I think if I got to that point, it would be time to actually consider if the truck was valid for me anymore. Yeah. If I thought that I need to spend time away from it, if it was actually like a detriment to my life. Like the whole goal, at least for me, was I think I can do this and not take any hit to my happiness, maybe even improve my happiness. Right. Going down the stuff I own. So if the truck was actually doing damage to my life or or was starting to become like a, a nuisance, yeah. I would I would have to start thinking about, you know being a normal human being. Yeah. No, and I think a lot of the themes you're talking about, about have less stuff, you know, do more, you know, be more of yourself, don't just watch TV. I mean, I think that this is the thing right now. I mean, I think that not just our generation, but also, I mean, Americans in general, you've, you're seeing the whole tiny house nation thing. I, mean, I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but there's the whole tiny house nation where people are building, you know, tricked out trailers and uh, living their whole family in there and driving across the country and doing whatever they want. And I think people are realizing that, you know, there's more to life than just working, coming home, sitting on the couch. You know, there's more to life than just buying the biggest house you can afford and then working like a dog to be able to pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, I just had a mental image of you like rolling it up and being like, yeah, not tonight. And then just closing it and going <laughs> to a hotel. So that hasn't happened. No, no, that's never happened. Um, I, I normally open it up and kind of smile a little bit because it's just a bed and a dresser. And I'm like, this is all I need. And like my life comfortably fits into a parking space and I would not have it any other way. Hmm. The direction I want to go is even less stuff. Like my future plans include fitting everything into a backpack and then traveling around from hostel to hostel and working odd jobs in random third world countries. All right. We're in the home stretch here. Uh, just a couple more questions I'd like to ask everybody. Anything you're excited about right now? Any movies you just saw, books you just read, albums you just listened to? Anything you're excited about? Um, not books I've just read, but books I am currently reading. Um, so I, I picked up a bunch of financial books because I don't know nearly a bunch, as much about my finances as I should know. Um, so right now I'm reading The Millionaire Next Door, which is a really interesting take on what the average American millionaire looks like mm -hmm. and kind of puts things into perspective for you. So I'm really excited to make more progress on that. Um, I have a bunch of small projects that I, I, I'm going to be working on over the next few weekends that I'm really looking forward to making some progress on. And I'm actually traveling to India for work in two weeks. So India will be a, an entirely new destination for me. Awesome. If you could go back to the start of the journey, anything you tell yourself? Yes. Um, so with all of the, the things I've learned about the box truck that I did get, uh, I would tell younger me to get a smaller box truck. Okay. I don't need 16 feet of box truck. I need like 12, maybe 10 feet of box truck. And even that's probably too much. Mm -hmm. um, I would also tell them to find one that doesn't leak. Yep. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Get on the roof, pour water on it, see what happens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As much fun as it's been trying to fight against the, all the random water-related challenges the truck has thrown at me, I would rather have focused that energy onto like making improvements to it. Mm -hmm. With all that we've talked about, what inspires you to keep going? How do you keep yourself motivated? I think what I'm doing now is striking a good balance between living in the now and making sure that I, I'm enjoying, you know, arguably the best years of my life and setting a solid foundation for my future. So I think that everything I'm doing is is making a good balance between those two things. And so what keeps me going is, is knowing that I'm, I'm reaching a, or I'm heading towards a point where I can be totally independent. And then the world becomes my canvas as opposed to, you know, just the Bay area. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm really looking forward to that eventuality. And I don't know what that will look like. Um, I'm not going to claim I know what, I, what I'll want two years from now or yeah. four years from now or 10 years from now. But um, I'm looking forward to opening up as many doors for future Brandon as I can. Right. Any last words of advice for the listeners? Life, art, creativity, business, anything? So I guess the cliche advice that I would give is to, is to follow your dreams and, and do things that you actually care about. Um, life is far too short to spend 20 or 30 years wonder, just wandering around aimlessly and then looking back and wondering where it all went. I do a lot of, or when I was in school, I used to do a lot of uh, career fairs and interview panels and things like that, where I would talk about my internship experiences and things like that. And people would always would always ask, um, should I pick a major that makes a lot of money or something that I'm interested in? And the it's it's almost it's sad that it's almost controversial to say choose something you're interested in. But I'm a firm believer that if you're really passionate about what you do and you're good at it, you will find a way to make a job out of it. Absolutely. And it's easy for me to say, because like I said, what I'm good at, what I enjoy doing and what make a lot of money are all the same thing. But I I do firmly believe that there is something for everyone. Right. And that's what the, you know, that's one of the themes of the show is, you know, whatever it is that you like doing, there's a job out there for someone doing that. You know, your dream job is someone's job. So whether you're doing that now or you want to or you're trying to, you know, you're still on the journey, figure out what it is and try to find a way to make it happen because you're going to be a lot happier in the long run. Absolutely. Especially in the age of the internet, there's no reason not to. You have an entire world audience to connect to. Just get out there and try it. Absolutely. All right, Brandon, well, this has been very fun. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Brandon can be found on FromInsideTheBox.com. You can find his latest updates, his travels, his trials and tribulations, his battles against the rain, and his uh, fighting against the box truck in general. I'd say it's been a success so far. You haven't been murdered. Uh, you haven't opened the door to find out that a homeless person used it as a bathroom. So I think so far, so good, right? Yeah, I uh, haven't died in any weird truck-related accidents yet. So all in all, I would say going well <laughs> well thanks for coming on the show yeah thank you Brad. this has been the maslow peak podcast presented by spring state media group our producer is jesse edmund if you like what you heard today you can find all of our episodes on the web at the you can subscribe on itunes stitcher google play music or soundcloud to have new episodes automatically pushed to you you can also check out our instagram at the maslow peak for behind the scenes content like us on facebook at the maslow peak and you can reach us on twitter thanks for listening you'll be hearing from us next week